what's cooking up in the kitchen? Am I smelling that soul food? Oh yes, it is soul food. The spiritual food for your spiritual nourishment. And you know what? This food will never expire. Never expire? I need this food every day. You are listening to these spiritual-based podcasts. There are many podcasts, but this one here is to satisfy your soul, to feed your spiritual hunger. Are you hungry for God? Don't let your soul be hungry. No matter where you are, whatever you are doing now, at work, home, or on the go, you can still listen here and right now the uh, Soul Food Podcast. Don't let ever your soul to go hungry. It's time for some Soul Food. Hi there. Soul Food is on the air. The Soul Food is a podcast that has been helping so many people around the world. So food has been feeding, nourishing many who are listening to this message. Let's bygones be bygones. It has been a problem for so many people. They do not let the past go. It seems like you are living your present just like your past. It is like a shadow that follows you wherever you go. You think your problem is prison. Let me tell you something. Even before you came into prison, trouble was there. How old are you? You are in your 20s or even a teen? 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 100s. But your problem began since the day number one of your life. The day number one that you cried, a baby boy, a baby girl, something more evil came upon your life. Troubles in the family, troubles going to school, growing up as a teenager, Troubles in the streets, working place, troubles in your love life, troubles after troubles. Then you came into prison. And now you, this is what you have. The problems of the past are still there. Even inside of a prison, you have troubles with the officers, the guards. Problems with the inmates, cellies, bunkies. When you go to school in prison, when you go to medical in prison, seems like you attract problems. Today, I am going to pray for you to delete, to erase, to set you free from the past. That's my message. Let bygone be bygones. And the scripture says, it says, forget. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. 
Remember the key word today, let bygones be bygones. Do not dwell on the past. Because if you are dwelling in the past, how can your life move forward? Let me show to you something. With you, with your family, it has been like this. One step forward, ten steps backward. Why? Why? When you think your life will move forward, something brings you back once again. Why? Because you dwell on the past. I want you to read it over there loud and clear. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Read it once again. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Because if you are still there in the past, the day you were arrested, the day of the crime, the day you lost your husband, the day you lost your wife, your children, the day of somebody's funeral, I'm sorry, you will never ever move ahead. You never move ahead. Forget the past. Once again, I say to you, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Hey, my friend, let bygone be bygones. You cannot go back. I don't know the day of the week you are watching me. I don't, I don't know the day. But can you go back yesterday to change something? So stop crying. Stop crying, move ahead. You cannot go back even in one hour. What time is it over there? What time is it? That's right. You cannot go back to the past hour. So let bygones be bygones. We'll be back here on Soul Food Podcast with more. Today we will be continuing the story of Johnny, the final part. Make sure to share with your friends and family. If you haven't listened to parts one and two, go ahead. Listen and feed your spiritual hunger.
Okay, so now that we've accurately defined what sin is, which is essentially um, putting your thoughts above the Word of God, right? Word of God says, do this. You think, no, I don't think so. God says He created, you know, the world in however many days. You're like, no, I don't think so. And then you'll start to just push your narrative. You start to follow yourself, right? So unbelief is not just believing that God exists, He said. It's actually accepting what He says as the truth and that's something he said that probably you've never done right so he says um a lot of people are are they trust in themselves he says so you know i want you to understand like what the world teaches us is different than what the bible teaches i said okay he says have you ever heard of um you know follow your heart and trust your thoughts believe in yourself i said absolutely that's what i try to live by my whole life and he goes right do you know that that's actually directly goes against the word of god and i said really so if i don't trust in myself who am i supposed to trust in and he goes good question let's look at what your thoughts say right let's look at what the bible say about your thoughts so he went into genesis chapter 6 verse 5 says and god saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually so he broke it down for me he said all of your thoughts it says every meaning all your thoughts your imagination and the heart right is only evil so if something is only evil it means there's no good in it it's all it's just that right and i'm like okay and he goes but let me ask you something johnny you have a thought that you love your homies and I said, absolutely. You have a thought that you'll die for your homies. That's very honorary, would you say? Like, that's an honorable thing. And I said, absolutely. You know, who would lay down their life for somebody else? Like, to me, that's like how you see it is very, it's very honorable. But if you read the first three words of this, this verse, what does it say? And God saw. So right then he asked me, what God sees versus what you see, is it the same or is it different? I said, it's completely different, right? God is saying all of your thoughts are evil. All of your thoughts are, you know, your, your heart is evil. Why? He's like, why do you think that is? So he pushed me to Romans chapter 7, verse 15, right? So let me actually read it, like, yeah. clearly from King James. Yeah, go for it. So Romans chapter 7, verse 15 says, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. So he's saying here that for the things that you want to do, you don't do, right? Did you, he said, did you want to shoot at people? Did you want to be in depression? Did you want to be lonely? Did you want to end up in heaven? And I was like, I'm in, in, in prison. And I said, no, of course not. He said, but why did you end up there? Right? Why is it that you don't want to be depressed, but you feel depressed all the time? You don't want to be lonely. You hate loneliness. You hate emptiness. You hate void. But why are you still feeling that? You know, and I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, it's in the Bible, right? And he reads two, two verses after that, which is Romans chapter 7, verse 17. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but the sin that dwells in me. So he asked me, Johnny, what is making you empty? Is it you, Johnny Chang, in your decisions? No, it's the sin inside of you, right? So he starts to break it down and I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense, right? And he says, it, it reiterates this two times. In 19, verse 19 and 20, it says literally the same thing, right? Verse 20 says, now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. So 
Right there, he was able to put it into a perspective that you're doing things that you don't want to do, and that means it's not you who's doing it. Because if you did the things you wanted to do, like for example, eating steak and lobster, you will not regret that. But why is it that when you do meth or you do a line of cocaine or you do you sip on lean, why is it that afterwards on the come down you start to feel and regret? Why? It's because it's not you who's doing it, it's sin that's dragging you to do it. And so when I, I, I never understood sin like that, right? And then he started to explain, do you know that you were born as a sinner? And I said, what? No way. There's no way. There's no way. You look at a baby, it's super cute. Like, no way. I wasn't always like this. There was external things that influenced me. And he said, that is partially true. But what the Bible says is very, very accurate, right? So he, he told me in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, through one man, sin entered the world and death. And for that, right, all have sinned. That's what it says. So one man, he said, do you know who this one man is? I'm like, no. He goes, it's Adam and Eve. And I go, oh, Adam and Eve, how do you have a whole generation come out from two people? It doesn't make sense to me, right? And he goes, right, so let me explain to you. The further back you go in your generations, for example, is there less human beings or more human beings? And I'm like, oh, there's less. The more, you know, time progresses, of course, people are going to have more kids. But prior to that, it does chip all the way down to essentially two people, right? So he kind of explained it in a logical sense. And then he said, um, if you look at a, a, an apple, for example, right? Look at an apple seed, right? If you see the seed, where are the apples, he said. I'm like, um, I don't know, you know? And he goes, but if you plant that seed, water it as it grows, what kind of fruits is it gonna produce? Only apples, right? Likewise, you talked about the baby, he said. When you look at a baby, where's the sin? There's no sin, right? But as it grows, as it matures, what happens? What comes out of it? Lying, cheating, manipulating, stealing, even murder. Sins start to come out of him, right? And I said, that's true. He said, you're Chinese. You didn't choose to be Chinese, right? I said, yeah, you were born that way. It was inherited to you. Your father was Chinese. His father was Chinese, right? Et cetera, et cetera. So same thing. Adam sinned. He begat this person, that person, so on and so forth. And it was passed down through the seed to you. And I said, oh. So then he said something that really blew my mind. All of the things that you've been doing in your life, all the, the evil things that led you up to being empty and depressed and miserable is normal. And when I heard that, all my life I was told I wasn't normal. I was abnormal. I was... Um, bipolar, people would say I had OCD, people would say that I was schizophrenic, all this crazy stuff, right? But what he was telling me for the first time was, you're normal because the sin is causing you to do that, it's not you. And so, so right then and there he said, then what needs to happen? The sin has to be taken care of, right? Because the sin is causing you to do it. So once you get rid of the sin, it's like cancer, he explained it, right? It's like a virus, he said. Let's say like, you know, um, he said you get a cold, like the flu, common cold, let's say. Um, you have runny nose, fever, sore throat. If you just take medicine to take care of the symptoms, will that then get rid of the virus? And I said, no. And he says, likewise, you were a person who, when you were angry, you try to control your anger. Right, because I told him I was in anger management. I went to counseling in prison, passed with flying colors, and still felt empty. Right, so he told me, 
People who think that, you know, they're lustful, oh, I'll just stop watching porn, I'll stop trying to lust, or I'll bounce with the eyes. He said, but they don't realize that that is just a symptom of sin. Where does the lust come from? It comes from sin. So people are trying to put a Band-Aid over this huge gash, right, this wound. So God is saying, you know, he was saying that God wants you to understand, first off, that sin is unbelief meaning you don't believe in God, right? And that in itself starts to lead to all these other things, fornication, lust, murder, envy, jealousy, all that. So when he put it in that perspective for me, I was able to see, oh, okay. So we're born as sinners. All of our thoughts are evil. Jeremiah 17 verse nine talks about our heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? He started to explain that part. So now he's talking about our heart, which is what is our heart? He says it's deceitful above all things. So deceitful means it's the biggest liar, right? And it says above all things, meaning it's the biggest liar, right? And then it says, I'm desperately wicked. And then he says, who can know it? When someone says, who knows? What does that mean? Nobody knows. Nobody thinks that their heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked and all that, right? He says, that's why people follow their heart. But Johnny, what I want you to understand is, when you follow your heart and you do whatever you think and seems fit, this is the result and the byproduct of why you live your life in emptiness. You are an imperfect person trying to live perfectly and that's why you continuously fall short and that's what's producing the emptiness inside of your heart. At that time, I felt an inkling of hope inside of my heart because no one had ever explained this to me. They have never explained to me that I was essentially missing the whole point and like self-medicating and all that was in vain. If like he put it, he gave me the anecdote basically. And he said, he proceeds to then talk about Jesus Christ. You, do you know who Jesus is? I said, of course, he's the guy who hangs on the cross. And do you know what he did though? And I said, oh yeah, he died for our sins, right? And he said, exactly. But he died for all of your sins. Do you know that? And I'm like, all of my sins? So past and present, I get it. But what about future? Don't I have to follow him? And he goes, no, future sins as well. And I said, show me. Show me like where it says in the Bible, right? So he talks about it in John chapter 1, verse 29, right? It states that, um, you know, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. So he asked me, where are your sins, Johnny? Are they in, the, do you sin in heaven? Do you sin even in hell? Like all your sins are in the world, right? And I said, right. So if God says he took away your sins of the world, right? And the world is still running, it's still alive. Then that means he took the sins from the first man who was in this world to the last man who was in this world. We don't know who the last man is, right? And he's like, so he's actually taking care of all of your sins, past, present, and future. Right. So when I kind of thought about that, I was able to feel that, oh, that's what Jesus did. That's why people are so like happy about him is because he literally has perfected us. And then he proceeds to talk about what the wages of sin is. Right. Romans chapter six, verse 23 talks about for the wages of sin is death. But he says this word, but is so amazing. You know, it flips everything upside down, right? And he says, but the, the gift of God is eternal life 
he was saying, it's a gift. Do you work for your gifts? Like if someone, if, if, if it's your birthday, do you work and, and someone gives you a gift? No, the gift is whether you work for it or not. If it hits your birthday, you receive it, right? I was like, that's true. So it is by grace, he says, that God has given this to all people. The problem is, however, people don't believe this. Why? Because when you look at yourself, Johnny, you're probably still carrying a gun, which he was completely right. You're probably still doing drugs. Absolutely. So when you look at yourself, your thoughts and your heart tells you what? You're a sinner. No matter what, you sin. You're carrying a gun. You're lusting. You're doing this. You're doing that. But what does the word of God say again about all of our thoughts? And right there, it hit me. Oh, this is what it is, right? Genesis 6, 5, all of your thoughts are what? only evil continually. Why? Because they always go against the word of God, right? So he explained that to me and he said, you have a choice to make. Are you going to trust Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, 14, and 17, which says for Hebrews 10, 14 says, for by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. So when we broke this verse down to me, he said one offering, who is this one offering? He says, it's Jesus Christ, right? And then he says, Perfected is in what tense? It's in past tense, meaning already completed, already done. And he says forever, which means eternally. So Jesus Christ, he died on the cross. People know this. He didn't fail. They know that. They know after three days he rose and he justified people. They know this. But when they look at themselves and they see their image, right? Their thoughts tell them that they're sinners, which is their thoughts. And then he says, then there's the word of God that says they're perfected forever. By faith, he says, it, we have to accept the word of God exactly as it is. But problem is, what is sin, he says? Unbelief. So they don't believe, no, yeah, I know he perfected me, but I still have to do something about that, right? I still have to, you know, live Christ-like and I gotta love my neighbor as myself. And I gotta, so he started explaining this to me. He said, but that in itself, doing good deeds, he said, I'm not saying sin however you want. I'm not saying carry a gun and shoot people and say that you're righteous. What I'm saying is doing good deeds and faith are two different things. Faith, it says in the Bible, without faith, it is impossible to please God. What kind of faith is he talking about? Believing and saying, amen, God. Although I feel like I'm a sinner, if you say that I'm righteous and perfected forever, through your son, and that he didn't fail on the cross, he washed all of my sins, past, present, and future, then amen, I'm gonna throw away what I feel, what I think, and I'm gonna believe your word above my thoughts. And when he put it in perspective, he asked me, Johnny, on God's side then, you believe Jesus died, you believe he washed all of your sins, you see what sin truly is. On God's side, are you perfect? Are you righteous? And right then I said, Yes, I'm perfect. I'm righteous. He said, Amen. Why? Not because you did anything well, but it was all and by faith and by God alone, by Jesus alone. So when I met, that was the first time I met Jesus, right? I felt that, oh, knowing Jesus, like understanding knowledge theoretically who he was versus actually connecting to him and accepting him into my heart, that's what changed my life. That day, it changed my life. There was a uh, well, the hope was like, it was big, but there was also a different force telling me that don't listen to this. Um, you know, you perfect, Johnny? <laughs> Come on now. You know, the pastor may not know what you did, but you know what you did. You know what you did, you know? And there was a fight, a 
big tug of war inside of my heart and inside of my mind. One side was telling me, you're not righteous. You cannot, is it that simple? Just to accept the word and say, you're righteous and then like all the th sins are forgiven, really? People would live like animals then, right? Isn't that what it is? So right then and there, I was like, okay, so these are my thoughts. I don't know anything about the word of God, but I'm trying to fight a pastor who's devoted his whole life to the word of God. It's probably smarter to probably accept what he says, but ask him questions. So I started to kind of like, dig my heels into the ground and ask him questions. So I said, you know, so if I'm righteous and I go out and I kill somebody like those mafia movies and they just confess, does that mean that my sin will still be forgiven, right? And he smiled and he goes, Johnny, think about it, right? Think about it. He says, I'm married, pastor said, right? But before I wasn't always married. And I said, okay. And he goes, before I was married, if I seen a beautiful woman on the streets, I can go up to her, I can talk to her, we can date, et cetera, et cetera. He says, but now that I'm married, can I then, even if I do see a beautiful woman, can I then go up to her and be like, hey, no, I will think about my wife's heart. I will think about our relationship. I will think for my wife. And that alone will stop me because I don't wanna cheat, right? So he says, likewise, when you receive salvation, you think about it, Johnny, you were, your life was damned to hell, essentially. You were, you were basically walking the path of destruction, eternal destruction, which is hell. But you feel this happiness, this, you know, this hopefulness because God has saved you, right, from your sins and from hellfire. He said, will you then go and disrespect him and slap him in the face and just do whatever you want? That relationship, right, is what's going to stop you. And yes, you're a baby now. You may sin. And he told me, you will sin until you die because flesh is flesh. He said, but the amazing thing is, as you grow with God, God is going to cultivate you. God is going to cut out the things that he sees fit and or un, he sees unfit in your life, right? So from then I was able to find that peace like, hey, you know, the way that the pastor is saying is it's true. And that voice that was really loud, which was saying he doesn't know what he's talking about. This sounds crazy. You know, you're not righteous. You remember your sins. You know, you shouldn't um, follow this person. You should leave. There was something that kept telling me to just leave like leave, get out of here, you know? But when I stayed, I was able to see that like the true gospel was being planted inside of my heart. He didn't say anything about me quitting drugs, quitting, you know, my, my, my gang or leaving my lifestyle. He didn't say anything about that. What I noticed he was doing was planting hope inside of my heart. And that was casting out things. I didn't want to carry my gun anymore. I started feeling, at that time I didn't know, but I started feeling conviction in my heart. Like, man, if Jesus did all this for a, a like a swine like me, an evil person like me, why would I disrespect him? You know, I'm from a gang life, gang culture. It's all about respect. So why would I go on disrespecting Jesus? You know what I mean? If he did all of this stuff for me. And I started to feel that inside of my heart. And little by little, it was weeding out. And then I asked him another question. I said, you know, I remember my sins. So what do we do about that? And then he showed me Hebrews 10, 17. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So he asked me, Johnny, you remember your sins, but that doesn't matter. 
He said, I said, why, why is that? He said, because God Almighty is saying your sins, your iniquities, he doesn't remember anymore. So let me ask you something, he said, Johnny, do you think that God is a liar? Can he lie? And I said, no, of course not. He's God. That's what makes him different than man is he cannot lie, right? And he goes, amen. So if God says, I don't remember Johnny's sins, any of his sins, all of his sins he has forgotten, can he then go, well, in 2007, you did a shooting and you did this, that, and other. You have to pay for that. No, he can't. And then from that, I was able to see like, wow, the more I was asking him questions, the more he was fighting it with the word of God, planting hope, which is the word of God inside of my heart. And it was making me just feel like, more relief every time he was dropping a bar or a gem i was just like oh i'm getting it why don't they teach this like that's that was my heart like why don't they teach this to people because i know a lot of people who are suffering from this this their sin and their emptiness and their void um and i realized right then and there that i'm not the only one my homies are going through this too they also when they get drunk start talking about oh, i feel depressed a room of a hundred of us and they feel empty. How is that part? They feel lonely. Why? Because it's a spiritual thing. And I started to realize that. He wants to walk in front of you and he will make all of your crooked paths straight, he says. So God is with you until the ends of the earth. Wherever you are, Johnny, God is with you. You know, so when I when he kind of challenged me to do that in, in, in my spiritual life, in my faith, you know, the first week I put down the strap, something happened. You know, where like people recognized me from the past. I had hurt somebody's brother, a family member, and um, that person was coming to get me essentially, you know. But long story short, God was there and he was able to have these people come up to me and see like the platform that I was on, which was Software Underbelly and these different like secular platforms and go, you know what, bro, although you did what you did, you handled your business back in the day. This is an enemy, right? Enemy, right? Opposition. But he said, the emptiness that you feel, you felt, bro, I feel. And he shook my hand. And he said, the way you explained it, nobody ever explained it that way. And I respect you for that. So essentially, bygones be bygones. That is only God can do something like that. Because this is a not, this is not a believer. This man, from what I understand, is a Buddhist. One thing that resonated with him was the issue of sin and the core of his heart, which was emptiness. And when he saw me, he said, bro, you're representing for us. That you're giving us a voice, which is these Asian gang members and, and just Asians in general who are Christian and people who are going through the struggle. And when I thought about that, you know, I sat in my car and I cried. Like, and I was like, wow, God, you know, <laughs> You're utilizing a person like me. You know, my thoughts are truly evil. What if that day I did have a gun and this man approached me and I trusted what I thought? Oh, he's coming. And I unloaded on him. Well, I wouldn't be here doing a testimony. I would be back in prison or maybe I would have got shot. Right. But when I think about it, I'm so thankful that as hard as it, as hard as it is, like my thoughts being right and putting them down every single time I went against what I thought and believed the word of God through the servant, it just blessed me in so many ways. And now, you know, it's starting to patch up these rivalries. Years of bloodshed are starting to kind of dissipate. And it's through these testimonies that I'm doing. And, and now I'm meeting with different people, you know, meeting with people who, like I said, who are 
enemies or who are, you know, opposing teams. And we're all like coming together and there's a lot more peace, you know, in, in my neighborhood. And, you know, I just, I'm so thankful, like that's, that's been happening. The second thing that's been happening is going to prisons. Um, you know, we're at Lancaster State Prison and a lot of their, you know, fights and, and violence rates have kind of like declined, you know, and it's because when I go in there, we're preaching the gospel. I don't tell murderers and, and ex-convicts and to stop doing what they're doing. What I say is, do you know what Jesus did for you? Like truly did for you? Do you know that your thoughts condemn you every single day and they tell you that you're a sinner, which breaks your spirit? And when your spirit is broken, you cannot heal from that. So you 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 generate this heart of, well, shoot, if I'm already like this, there's no hope. I might as well just do whatever I want to do because there's no hope anyway. And that's what Satan wants, is to break our spirit through our thoughts, right? So I tell them, no, you're perfect. They look at me like I'm crazy. What? perfect. Johnny, you don't know what I went through. You don't know the crimes. You don't even know what I'm in here for. I'm in here for double murder. How can I be perfect? Yes, you did that. And then I bust open the Bible and I explain to them that it's not you. There's a sin inside of you. In order to get rid of that, there's that. And then I explain to them, there's no condemnation in this world. Romans chapter eight, verse one. God did not come to this world to condemn the world, but to save the world. If Lord is your savior, meaning he saved you from something, what do you think he saved you from? And right there, the light bulbs come on. They're free from the burden of sin, the responsibility of sin, and they start to live better. So we're impacting each person individually and creating pillars and vessels out of them. And they're able to also preach to other inmates and things are getting better within the prison. These are level three yards, level four maximum security yards, even on level two yards, minimum security. It's we're planting hope inside of people, whereas other people are telling you, don't do this, don't do that. That's like telling a meth addict, stop doing meth. It's not going to do anything for them. We have to provide the tools. We have to provide them hope inside of their heart to overcome these things. That's what pastor did to me. And that's what I do literally from 2015 all the way until now. It's the same thing. It's the same routine, providing hope inside of people's hearts. So that's why you had mentioned when I'm at these secular platforms, I'm always going to draw it back to God. I have to, because that's just what it comes down to. You know, I, yeah. Johnny, I think you've pretty much touched on on any other question that I could probably ask. <laughs> but I, I'll, I'll say for that person who is watching right now and, and is not walking with Jesus, what can you tell them? You know, I would tell them that it's okay, number one. That if you understand what true sin is, um, the burden of sin is not placed on us. Of course, you know, we should repent and turn back to God. But God, He loves us. You know, He's always waiting for us. You know, and there are things in this world that we may be chasing for anyone who's out there, whether it's money or fame or just calm lifestyle, whatever it is. You know, the true peace actually comes from God. And I pray and I hope that, you know, God enters into everyone who's listening. 
You know, God doesn't want to lose anybody. That was not his will. He wanted to sanctify us. So I want them to understand that that emptiness and that void that you feel, uh, we will continue to fill because that can only be filled by the spirit. So yes, run your course. Of course, I had to go through prison. I understand, you know, but eventually I believe God will make it a masterpiece of everybody. So uh, I don't want people to feel condemnation. I want them to understand that there will be conviction though. There will be a heart of like longing and that longing is from God. Take it from me, I'm a person who's been through the lowest of the lows. I've been through hell on earth, which is prison. And I didn't find anything. I didn't find anything. And it, this all led me back to God. So I believe it is all part of God's plan for some people to stray and do this and that. But God is what? The Alpha, which, meaning, which means the beginning. And He's also the Omega, which is the end. In the meantime, we may be straying and doing these things. But it, it starts with God and it ends with God, whether we want it to or not. And that is the truth, you know? So I pray that everyone who's listening, especially the people who are either non-believers, um, if you feel that emptiness and that void, um, and you've tried everything to try and fill that void, um, maybe you can give it a shot, you know, and, and give God a shot. And what I mean by that is, you know, He gave me hope and happiness. That same God that loves me and helped me, I believe can also help you and will help you. And that's, that's my message to the world. Thank you for listening in. That's all the soul food we have to share today. Stay tuned to the next episode on soul food and keep your notifications on. Share each episode with your friends and family to feed their souls. Give the food that lasts forever. Mm -hmm.